Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. And so finally, uh, it feels like finally, because I'm so used to preaching all the time. Uh, I get to, to be back to continue our sermon series that we've entitled Just Jesus. Isn't that what our life is about? Just Jesus. That's it. Let's say his name together. Just Jesus. That's it. And so we're going to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Every single week, we are focusing on a different facet of the face of Jesus. And I don't know if this feels like an adventure to you, but this is so exciting to me that we could learn more and more looking at Jesus like from a different perspective each and every Sunday, learning more about the Son of God, learning more about Jesus. It's so much fun. I don't know if you guys recognize this or not, but we need this study. We need to learn as much as we possibly can about Jesus. Would you guys agree? I mean, it's so, so, so important. Before I read the scripture, go to Mark chapter 4. I, you know, I, I get on Instagram just like everybody else does, and I watch the stories just like everybody else does, but I follow a lot of preachers, like a whole lot of preachers, a whole lot of pastors. Uh, for those of you guys that I know, I follow you too, probably, and so I watch what you post, so just remember that. Just kidding, but totally not kidding. Every now and then, I'll be like, Allison, did you see this? We got we to gotta pray for them right now. If only I was joking. Anyways, so um, I, 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 was, I was on there this week, and, um, you know, they're, they're, I'm just processing. Is that okay? I'm about to get to Mark 4. Um, but I saw somebody posted a comment. And they said, what we need in the church is not more biblical literacy. Hold on, wait, what? Huh? You know what I've noticed about the Bible? There's never been a time where I've been seeking Jesus, asking him for more of himself, and he never told me to get into the word. Every single time I ask for more of God, I always hear this eventually. Come to me in prayer with the Bible. Have you guys noticed that? I don't know if you've noticed that or not. That's just something I've noticed. Like, every time I ask for more of Jesus, he's like, get in the Word and pray the Word and study the Word and sing the Word and worship the Word and go after me with the Bible in your hand. Is that, is that y'all's experience? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me. But So the tweet kind of like, I was like, hold on, wait. That's like red flags. You know, everybody's doing that now. They put the red flags, like red flag, red flag. I'm like, hold on, wait. Why would we tell Christians not to get in the Word? And, and, and he said, what we need is not more biblical literacy. What we need is more people reading the Bible like Jesus. And I thought to myself, well, you're not wrong about that. I want to read the Bible like Jesus. I can't imagine anybody can interpret God's Word better than Jesus. Amen? But it depends on how you interpret Jesus. Because if you're going to try to 
If you're going to try to interpret the Bible like Jesus would, you got to make sure you interpret Jesus rightly or else you'll end up interpreting the wrong, the, the word wrongly. Does that make sense? And Jesus is very multifaceted. Like, you cannot nail him down to one type of character. Like, as soon as you think he's a righteous judge, he's a graceful savior. And as soon as you're like, oh, he's a generous giver, he's a direct rebuker. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he'll wash the feet of Judas Iscariot, whom he knows is about to betray him, and then he'll go into the temple and turn over all of the tables and say, y'all are turning this place of worship, this house of prayer, into a marketplace. That's not what this is supposed to be. Like, if you think that Jesus only fits one type, I would dare to say you need an expansion of how you've seen Jesus because Jesus is God and there's no end to his expression, which is why he has so many names. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the lion and the lamb. He's the altar. He's the finisher, right? Like there's so many different facets of the face of God found in Christ Jesus. And this whole sermon series is really about a journey of discovery. I want to learn everything I can learn about Jesus. Anybody else? Like, I want to know Jesus rightly. Like, I want to know Jesus better than I know my best friend. So that's the whole purpose behind the sermon series. It's like, Jesus is so much bigger than we think he is. And Jesus is so much better than we think he is, church. No matter how good you think God is, he's better. And whatever awesome thing God has done in your past, he has plans to outdo himself. Because he wants to take you from glory to glory to glory. And so what this whole thing is all about is like we're looking at Jesus. And then whenever like he turns a little bit, we're like, whoa, I had never seen that side of you before. That's amazing. And then the next Sunday he's like, but did you get my good side though? It's like, whoa, that's amazing. Jesus, you're awesome. And you know why Jesus has so many names? Because he's whatever you need him to be in the moment that you cry out to him. Like if you're an addict, he's your healer. If you're sick in your body, he's a great physician. If people are coming against you, gossiping about you, lying on you, like he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's like, no, I'm going to be your defender. It's not going to happen. You're not going to talk about my son. He's your protector, right? Man, I love Jesus. As you can tell, I haven't preached for two weeks, so I should go ahead and read the scripture. Um, we're in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 35 through 41, so... 35 through 41. I'm going to read from the ESV, so if you want to turn in your app or your Bible, if you have that translation, great. If not, it'll be on the screen, but we are going to read it all together out loud as a family. So if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Let's read it out loud. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Now, that makes me wonder, well, how was he? If they took Jesus just as he was, how was he? What was Jesus doing at the time, right? Like, I think that Jesus probably made no provisions for the journey just as he was. I also think that Jesus was greatly fatigued because he had been preaching all day. That's what I think. That's just as he was, right? And so we see here, 
in verse 36, let's continue together. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. How dare him? <laughs> asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, wait, I, let's read that all again. And I want you to read it in the way you know you felt whenever Jesus is sleeping while you're freaking out. Teacher, do you not care? Yeah, that sounded about right. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Let's say that again. Peace, be still. Woo! Somebody needs to put their hand on their heart and say, peace, be still. That's why you came to the house of God today. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. What? And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Today, I want to talk to you guys about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Okay? So the title of the message is this, I'm scared and Jesus is napping. All right? That's the title of the message. I'm really freaking out over here, and Jesus is asleep. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you are the Prince of Peace, and you always give us peace in the midst of chaos. We ask that the spirit of revelation would rest upon each and every one of us today, that we could get to know the Son of God a little bit better. Transform us more into your image today, and bring us the peace that only God can. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said... Amen. On your way to your seat, tell somebody peace. Maybe, maybe throw them up, throw them a deuce and tell them peace, peace, peace. All right. How, how many of you guys could use some of this peace today? Man, I'm telling you right now, guys, this week, I just, I've been feeling like this is the word of the Lord. We, we need peace. Peace. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of crazy, we need peace, right? So as I always do, I love to look into the context of the story that we read together. What is exactly happening in the story where Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm? Now, I've already mentioned that Jesus is very tired as a result of preaching throughout the entirety of the day. Jesus was actually preaching the Sermon on the Mount, so if we were looking at the book of Matthew, you'd see Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. I mean, this is the longest sermon that we see in Scripture that was ever recorded about what Jesus taught. So we know that Jesus has been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been working miracles all day. And if, you've, if you're a minister in here, if you're a worship leader, if you're a pastor, if you're a preacher, if you guys are watching online, you guys know how exhausting that it can be to minister all day long. And sometimes people are like, Pastor, how are you so tired? You only work one day a week. Man, I wish that was true, man. I signed me up. I wish that was true, but that's not the case. And let me tell you, when the virtue of God flows through a physical frame for hours and hours and hours, you are going to be so exhausted. 
Ask Michelle Fairbert last week. She was like, dude. She probably didn't call me dude. She was calling pastor because she's so honorable. Pastor. I had no idea. Like, I preached one message, and like, in the green room, like, between the services, I was ready to tap out. Like, how do you do that? I'm like, I told you. Like, you get up, and it's like the power of God. Just, I don't know. You know, it's just, there's so much of, 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 of what we do in church is spiritual. It's not our own strength. It's not our own ability. It's the grace of God. It's the anointing of Jesus, right? And sometimes, honestly, that can really take it out of you. And, and I have to assume that that was the state that Jesus was in. He was like, you know what, guys? I'm finished. I cannot keep preaching to the crowd. Please dismiss them. Let me get in the boat and go to the other side because I've got more ministry to do over there in that village. And while I'm going through the water, I'm going to try to get some rest and I'm going to go to sleep on the red-eye flight that I'm going to take to get to the other town. Because that's actually what's happening. This is kind of like a red-eye flight. You guys know what a red-eye flight is? You know, you leave L.A. at like 10, you get here at like 6, and you've slept terribly for two hours only, and yet you're expected to wake up and look refreshed. Like, come on, man. So Jesus is taking a red-eye flight through the Sea of Galilee so that he can get over to the other side. Now, we know... Uh, when we see Sea of Galilee, we automatically think about an ocean, don't we? We're like, okay, nobody but me. Anyways, this example's not going anywhere. Okay, so the Sea of Galilee, guys, just look, look, nerd out with me for a second. The Sea of Galilee, if you look at the topography of the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is in a basin. Now, I don't know if you've heard this or not, and I don't actually know if it's true because I've never looked it up, but Nashville is in a basin. All right, I got some people here today that can confirm this. Praise God. But I've heard, or so I've been told, that's one of the reasons why we have such a problem with tornadoes. Because there's, it, it, the, like, it comes down and it can't get out. It can't escape. So it just goes through the city and we have these problems with these tornadoes. So the Sea of Galilee is positioned in a basin, kind of like the city of Nashville is positioned in a basin. And the Sea of Galilee is not like some small pond, Okay. It's not like Percy Priest. Even though Percy Priest is still pretty big, the Sea of Galilee is 33 square miles. So if you get out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you cannot see the shoreline. It's like being out in the middle of an ocean. They call it a sea because it's so big. And get this, some of the deepest parts is over 140 feet deep. That's spooky to me. I don't know about you, that's just scary to me. Like, I don't, like when I watch stuff like, on Discovery Channel, and they talk about the sea creatures that live down miles. I'm like, I don't have no interest in learning about what is happening down there. That's just a place God didn't want us to go. That's why it's so dark. Like, it doesn't matter who lives down there. It's just that we don't need to know about that. It's not important, right? It freaks me out. And so the Sea of Galilee is kind of a spooky place in the middle of the night, to be quite honest, because it's just like Nashville. It's like prone to tornadoes. You know, so, so people knew, like, hey, going out on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night, it might be a little crazy, but Jesus gets in, he's tired, he's exhausted, and he says, hey, guys, look, I trust you to get, to get me to the other side. We got ministry to do, and so get me to the other side, right? Now, I want you to keep in mind that the people Jesus says that he trusts are actually professional sailors. You, you got to remember that. So this is actually, uh, like, 
yeah, that's to be expected. Hey, you guys have been fishermen literally your whole lives, and you have been fishing on this same body of water your whole lives. Your parents, your dads, dads, dads probably have been fishing on this exact same body of water. So if there was ever expert tour guides to be chosen to get Jesus from one side of the sea to the other, it was his disciples. Like these people were professionals. So he says, you know what? I'm exhausted. I've been preaching all day. I'm going to go lay down in the stern of the boat and I'm going to go to sleep. Now, I imagine that whenever the storm kicked up just a little bit, you know, the storm started to stir, started to get crazy. They thought to themselves, there's no reason for us to wake Jesus up. We are professionals. Been there, done that. This ain't really that hard. In fact, we're going to tell Jesus a good story when he gets up in the morning about how his life was in danger, and yet we, these amazing fishermen, was able to cruise to the other side of the shoreline and get him there safely so that he could stay sleeping like a baby. Jesus, you see what we accomplished in our own abilities? I'm going somewhere with my illustration. Jesus, can't you see the things that we have accomplished in our own strength? Jesus, do you see how we didn't bother you? We didn't talk to you. We didn't awaken you because we were able to depend upon our own experience. So we're good. We're good. Jesus, you just stay sleeping, and, and, and we're going to get over there to the other side. And so, you know, the waves start to move a little bit. They're like, we're all right. We're confident. You know, they're like Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. You call this a store? You know, they're like super. Okay, nobody's seen that. I'm too old for that. Um, now, you know what I mean? You call this a storm? Okay, nobody. So um, it's, a fun, it's a funny scene, all right? YouTube it. And um, and so, like, at first, they're super confident, and then the Bible says that the water starts to pour over, and the water starts to go into the boat, and then the boat starts to fill up, and it gets to a point where it starts to sink, and these professional sailors, these experienced fishermen, they thought to themselves, oh, no, we don't have what it takes to get the boat out of this storm. We're all going to drown. Everybody in this ship is going to die tonight. Because although we have faced some crazy storms in our life before, there is nothing that is worthy to be compared to the chaos that we're going through in the present moment. Am I talking to anybody in the room that is in a season in their life where they're like, I've been through some stuff before, but that is like the kiddie pool by comparison to the chaos that I'm experiencing in the present moment. There is no way that anybody can get me out of this mess. I am too deep. I'm going to drown. I might as well throw in the towel. It's done for. I am finished. I don't know if you're in that situation today, but I want you to know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that Jesus is in your boat. Amen? Jesus is there with you. So finally, they, they come to their senses, and they're like, hold on, wait just a second. We have the actual Son of God in the boat. You would think that they would remember that first. But no, no, they didn't, they didn't think about that first. Jesus was kind of the last line of defense rather than being the, you know, first resort that they went to. And that's really the first lesson of the story. If you are in the middle of a storm, don't make Jesus the last line of defense. 
by relying more on your strength, your abilities, your experience, your resume, your relationships before you go to him and say, Jesus, I need some help. Go to him first. But, but, but they didn't do that. They, they finally got around to going to him and said, Jesus, we're gonna die. I'm not sure if you're aware or not. I see you right in the middle of a nap. It seems to be quite comfortable, but we're all about to perish. What's wrong with you? Why are you sleeping in the middle of a situation like the one I've got going on around here? Do you not care about me? Oh, I know I'm preaching to somebody now because every single human being that claims a relationship with God has always got to the point where they are suffering so much in the middle of a storm, they question God's goodness. He can't be as good as he says. There's no way. I mean, look at what the disciples say in uh, verse 38. It says, the disciples woke him up shouting. They're screaming. Teacher! You, you, you know what teacher means? Master! You know what master means? Lord! Lord of lords! God! This it, it, is so funny to me. Lord! Do you not care that we are about to die? Notice what they did. They acknowledged his authority, but they called into question his motives. They acknowledged his lordship. They said, you're the master, but then they called into question his character. You're God, but you're not good. You said you were good, and I know that you're God because you've proven that in my life, and I believe that you're the only person that could be God, and yet, You've been lying to me because I see how you're responding to my storm, and that means you're checked out, and you don't care about me. Isn't that human nature? Anytime we go through hard stuff, we automatically buy into the lie. God doesn't care about me. He's God, but he doesn't care. Who's done that before? Who's done that this week? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's human nature, it's normal, we all do that. You're God, but you're totally not good. You're totally not present. You totally don't care. And we all tend to do that, and when I look through the scripture, I notice that all of God's BFFs have done that at one point in time or the other. If you're gonna walk with God, I can guarantee you, just like any other relationship, you're gonna come to a place where you are tempted to stay in discouragement thinking that God has abandoned you, has turned his back on you, and has let you down in the midst of your chaos. But although your emotions tell you that, it couldn't be further from the truth. Because you have to remember, the facts are not always the truth. The facts may be I'm all by myself. The facts may be, man, I'm abandoned in my loneliness. The facts may be, man, I am suffering a storm and it feels chaotic around me, but that is not the truth that you are all by yourself in it. Because Jesus is with you in it. I was reading through a couple of uh, stories in the scripture about a few of God's best friends and how they complained to God about how he had abandoned them in the midst of their greatest moments. Think about Moses, right? Like Moses, he's one of God's generals. And in Exodus chapter five, Moses says, you sent me to speak and you've done nothing to deliver your people. 
I think I've said something like that as a preacher before. You told me to talk and no one cares. I'm telling you, man, probably one of my greatest discouragements as a young preacher was I got invited to go to this place to minister, and um, I was just kind of like the sidekick to my prayer pastor who was really like the featured speaker of the evening, but he was really interested in trying to promote me and give me some reps, and so he said, Law, come up here and preach, and I remember I was so ready. I mean, I was ready. I had the fire of God burning on the inside of me like the prophet Isaiah. I was ready to release the word, and I got up. I was like, Let's go in Jesus' name, you know. And I'm like, I'm getting after it. And like, everyone's just like. Who's a kid? And I'm like, you're not listening to the word of God. You know, I was like, and I, and I, you know, so I'm like screaming. And I jumped off the stage. And, and I started laying hands on people. And, and I had seen the pastor of this church he had been doing this like five minutes previous, and he was just like putting his hand, and he was shouting, fire, and then they fell down. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Fire. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Chill, bro. And, and, and I remember I had that experience, and I thought to myself, you sent me to speak, and you've done nothing to deliver your people. I said fire, and they didn't fall. I preached the gospel, and nobody cared. Nobody said amen. You have abandoned me, God. How dare you do that to me? You hung me out to dry. You said I was anointed. I didn't pray for three days. I'm telling you. I was so mad at the Lord. I was so mad. I'm not, I'm not praying. I'm not doing it. I'm angry at you. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to do the one thing that helps me. I'm not going to do it. Because <laughs> that's how you act, right? When you're mad at God, you think you're pulling one over on him. But in reality, he's like, bro, when are you going to give up the ghost? And just come back and pray, man. You need some help, bro. You got to stop giving me the cold shoulder. You need to come back home. It's like, I'm not praying. I'm not fasting. I'm not reading the Bible. And I remember eventually, like, my friends, they were like, hey, we need to go to dinner. It was, like on, it was on, like, day three. And they were like, bro, you're being weird. What's wrong? And I was like, I'm mad at God. Don't try to pull me out of the hole. And they were like, we're going to pray for you. And I was like, you can try. Right? Because I was in the place where I was like, he's totally God. He says he's good. But then I get up, and he just abandons me. It's abandoned. And, you, and all of us are going to experience this in one way or the other. It doesn't matter what career path you're on. Like, you're going to come to a moment in your life with the Lord. If you haven't yet, surprise, it's on its way. It's going to happen. If the disciples, if it happened to them, it's going to happen to you. And you're going to be in this storm, and you're going to be in this chaos, and you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. God doesn't care. This happened to David. David was the man after God's own heart, right? He said, I say to God, my rock. You think he's going into worship, but then he, like, backs off real quick. Why have you forgotten me? 
right? Like the, he, he admits, you're God, you're strong, you're stable, you're my foundation, but you forgot all about me. You're not paying attention to me anymore. You don't care about me. And then this happens with Martha. Uh, you know, you think about Lazarus and, and Martha and Mary, and they're like BFFs with Jesus. And like Jesus wept whenever his friend Lazarus died, right? And as soon as he shows up to the funeral, Martha's like, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Isn't it hilarious how when we get mad, we rebuke God? Like we know better than God. If you would have done what I wanted you to do. Hold on, wait, who's, the, who's Lord? Because God is not Amazon.com one click. Hold on, hold on. I, I read the thing. I said the thing. I said in Jesus' name. You, you, what, what you think that you think it's abracadabra? Hey, you trying to harness the power of omnipotence to do whatever your personal self-interest is? Hey, good luck with that. Good luck with that because he's king of kings, not you. And yet we live this way like if God doesn't do everything I want, he's all of a sudden abandoned me. Where do you get that in scripture? That's self-help, not Christianity. <laughs> hold on, hold on, where do you... Where, Show me the scripture where Jesus said, if you become a Christian, you will never have problems. That would be amazing. And yet what he said was, if you're going to follow me, you better pick up your cross, man, because you're going to have the experience of being crucified for what you claim to believe. Your life is going to be hard. and It's going to be filled with trials. It's going to be filled with pain. Listen to me, right? That's what he says to his disciples. Listen to me. Don't forget this. Don't buy into the belief that the gospel is seven principles to become more hashtag blessed because the Bible doesn't say that. It's not in there. Show me a place in the scripture where it's like, hey, if you become a Christian, you're gonna get everything you want. Well, I put my list together and I gave it to the Lord. He's not Santa. He's not obligated to your timeline. He's not obligated to give you everything that you ask for. He's not obligated to meet all of the needs that you think that you have. Like, he knows you better than you know you. He's God, and he has a plan for everything that happens. And yet, this is our normal, natural human experience. This has been happening forever. In Jeremiah chapter 14, the Bible says, have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Doesn't that feel like, like some of your prayers? You, your heart doesn't like me. I can't believe you're doing this. Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? I'm sick. I'm not healed. We looked for peace, but there was no good that came. I looked for healing, and yet I, met, I was met with terror. These are the moments, I would say, that really turn you in. Uh, to that ambassador, that, that disciple, that world changer, that nation shaker, that disciple that hell is afraid of, that disciple that causes demons to flee in the opposite direction. You can go through rough stuff and know God's right here with me. I don't have any reason to fear. I don't have any reason to tremble. I don't have any reason to, to shudder. I don't have any reason to shake. I don't have any reason to think to go fatalistic. Well, whatever it is to be is going to be. I don't know. I guess it's just what's going to happen to me. No, step up. I know who God is. 
I know who I am because this is who God says that I am. And I'm going to trust in him despite my circumstances. You with me? So I don't know. I haven't read those scriptures. Maybe you have. If you have, DM me. I'd love to study them with you. But I don't think you're going to find them. Because God never promises us an easy life. But here's what he does promise us, his presence. You know, he doesn't say, hey, um, you know, it's going to be so easy for you. But here's what he does say. I'm going to be with you, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, and I'll always be good, and I'll always love you, and I will always care for you. It doesn't matter the storms that you go through. The storms you go through is not indicative of my nature. You can't compare your circumstance to my goodness because it will never link up. I am so much better than you think that I am. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. I'm here with you. Well, if you're so good, why would you allow so much suffering? I don't really know the answer to that question, but here's what I do know. That God himself does not exempt himself from entering into full-blown suffering through Jesus on the cross. So I don't know why bad things happen, but here's what I do know. God gets in them with us. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right here. I'm right here. And it's not just you going through it. I went through it too, and I went through worse. I've not abandoned you. I'm going through it with you. I'm showing the world what love looks like. I'm showing the world what peace looks like. And so he shows up each and every time as the Prince of Peace. And that's the reason why he can sleep in the storm. Because Jesus, church, is the Prince of Peace. He was able to sleep in the middle of the storm because there was no fear in his heart. He had trust in his heart. He understood, I am in the Father's care. I, I, I am in the Father's hands. I don't have to embrace fear. I don't have to look at the chaos and think that God doesn't love me. I know that God's got me, and that's every reason to have peace. I trust, therefore, I have peace. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We all know this one. We read it at Christmas time. For to us a child is born, to a son is, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, his name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's that last three words? Prince of Peace. His name is peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is your peace. His name is peace. Our peace is a person, and I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about your boyfriend. I'm not talking about your girlfriend. I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not talking about your employer. I'm not talking about anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is a person. And when you're connected to Jesus, you're connected to peace. It's only when you neglect Jesus do you neglect peace. You want to live in chaos? Turn your back on Jesus. You want to live in peace? Turn towards Jesus. Run to him. Grab hold of him and say, I depend upon you. That is where peace comes from. Our peace is Jesus. Let me give you a biblical definition of peace. Here's what the Bible says peace is. The peace is the heart attitude. That's my internal state, right? Because people can look chill on the outside, but on the inside be really depressed. And I think we may have noticed that these days with all the stories that we're hearing about different terrible, terrible things happening in our cultures, suicides and influencers killing themselves and like all kinds of terrible, terrible stories. We can see uh, pictures of people that look like they got it all together, but on the inside, they are not good. And we have to be aware of that. And so here's what the Bible wants us to understand about peace because here's the peace that Jesus wants to put in your heart. 
Not in your outside. I'm not talking about looking better. I'm talking about on the inside being anchored in your heart. It is a heart that is unaffected by circumstances, adversity, and troubles that's free from anxiety and useless worry. And useless worrying. Jesus doesn't have to sweat this violent tornado because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So despite all of the chaos happening in around him, he sleeps. Now, um, I don't know about you guys, but I really, 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 really hate turbulence on an airplane. Anybody else in here? You know when I really hate it? At night. I hate it at night. In the day, I don't know why. I'm totally fine during the day. I'm like laughing at other people, freaking out. Like, that's fine. Maybe, you know, I, did, I looked at YouTube. The turbulence can't take down an airplane. It's okay. Turn back on my movie. You know, confident, chill, unaffected. I got peace. Hallelujah. I'm a Christian. It's fine. I got, I got the presence of God. But for some reason, at night, I totally freak out. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going down. I'm like, I don't know why. It's just like when it turns to night, I start freaking out. I start formulating my text message, hoping I catch signal like below 10,000 feet so I can get one last message to my wife and kids. You know, it's like, I'm definitely going to die. I mean, I remember one time I was coming back from Africa, and you know, when, you, when you take that flight from Joburg to Atlanta, you're in the middle of the ocean. For a long time, that's the scariest place on an airplane. You're like, if we go down, there's no islands to land on. I'm going to drown, castaway style. Like, it's, I don't know. Forgive me for being like that. I'm, maybe it's a little morbid, but that's how I'm thinking. And then the plane starts, and I'm like, definitely going to die. I turn the, t I'd like, if I'm watching a movie, I turn it off. And I don't know why I turn it on the, the radar thing. I'm like, where are we at? How far we got? You know, it's like, I start freaking out, man, and. And like, I remember one, like when I was coming back from Africa, there was this girl from the Peace Corps with me, and I don't think she was a believer, but I was like, hey, you about to hear me pray in an unknown language. It's going to be a little weird, but I'm just forewarning you. It, the turbulence is getting to me. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I, dude, I'm telling you, man, I was freaking out, and I do not like turbulence. It really bugs me. It really bothers me. And so when I was reading through this passage and this story, I was like, man, that's like turbulence in the middle of the ocean coming back from Africa. That is crazy because I feel a lot of fear. But, you know, one of the things I do whenever I'm feeling that much fear in the middle of turbulence, I look at the other passengers. Do you ever do that? You, like, look at that. You, you see, like, are they chilling or? And then you see the business guy, and he's, like, turning the page in his newspaper. And you're like, he flies a lot. This ain't no problem. This is like, this may be turbulence. This ain't no problem. So, so what happens is, is the posture of the other passengers inform my posture. When I look at them, I recognize, you know, I don't think I need to freak out. Nobody else is freaking out. I think I can stay chill. You see what I'm saying? And so one of the things I've noticed is that even when the other passengers are freaking out, I can look to the flight attendants. Because I don't know what's going on. Those flight attendants have had wonderful training. Because the, the plane is like, you know, they're like, they got the seatbelt sign on, and they're like, would you like another ginger ale? Like, they're, they're having no problems. Like, have you, have you guys noticed this? Like, on in international flights, like, they're like. And they're like. I'm like, how are you doing this? Sit down. You know, it's like, you're freaking me out, you know. But one of the things is like, they're not, they're fine. So then now I can be fine. 
They're fine. I can be fine. So see, this is what's happening in the story is that they look at the posture of Jesus. And this is actually point one, by the way. When you're scared in a storm, get close enough to Jesus to allow his posture to inform yours. Is Jesus freaking out? No. So why are you? Is Jesus napping? Yeah. So why aren't you? Listen, I I know we're a spiritual church, and we believe in spiritual warfare around here, but sometimes the the recipe to defeat a demon is to take a nap. Y'all don't don't know if y'all believe me or not, but every now and then it's like, hey, temptation, I see you. I ain't checking for you. I'm taking a nap. You're not even bothering me. That's sad. That's what you have. You've overplayed your hand. I'm taking a nap. I'm going to eat some French fries first, and then I'm going to take a nap. That's, that's soul food for me, man. Give some fried chicken and French fries and take a nap? That's warfare right there. That's warfare. It's like it's done. It's finished. Are you checking? you see me? I'm sleeping. I don't care about you. Right, that's, I'm just sharing some of my own strategies. So you let the posture of Jesus inform you of the posture you need to take in the midst of chaos. Is Jesus freaking out? No. Psalm 2 says, he who sits in the heavens laughs despite the fact that the nations are devising a vain thing against the people of God. Yeah, I see you, warfare. I got joy. I got joy. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to be who God has called me to be, and um, I'm going to let that posture inform my posture. Now, you want to know why? You know you want to know when like a plane ride is really scary, when the attendants strap in. Just to get back to that, just for a second, it's like whenever they're you know when they're pouring up like you know the sodas and stuff, you're like it's fine, whatever, like you're you're good, I'm good. But man, if you ever see them hit the chair and they're they like have the double strap, like they got a different strap. You know what I mean? It's like they're like they they flip that seat down. I mean, they're going to be really safe because they're going to have to carry all of us out when we die. You know, that's that's the stuff that's going through my head. I'm like, they have to be really safe. It's going to get crazy. I'm like, where am I at on the plane? I heard that plane's like breaking half. Or like, should I pull my leg? I I start thinking about stuff like that. I know it's crazy. I start thinking that. And then when I see the attendants go to their chair, I'm like, oh, it's definite. It's destiny. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go down. Hey, listen, I'm sorry, man. Listen, I'm just telling y'all the truth. Y'all think I don't have faith now, I understand, but just plane rides, they get to me. And, um, you know, even when the attendants and they go and they sit down and I'm freaking out a little bit, you know what always feels like supernatural deliverance? This is your captain speaking. Right, you're like, oh, he sounds calm. Right? And you're like, this is the worst turbulence of my life. He's like, ah. It's a little light chop. It's uh, no problem whatsoever. We'll have you on the ground in 20 minutes. Sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. You're thinking, hold on, wait. Your tone sounds very different than my experience. And I'm very confused right now why you're so calm and gentle and lowly and humble in heart. And I'm just, I am just a neurotic mess back here. <laughs> So even if, you, even if it's not going to Jesus and allowing his posture to inform yours, you know what it also is? Listening to the words of Jesus as he speaks and allowing him to give you peace in the midst of the storm. That's point two. When you're scared in a storm, don't just talk to God. Listen to him. 
And I know people who go through storms all the time, and they're like, I pray all the time. Yeah, you talk, but do you listen? Prayer is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. It is a conversation. It is not screaming at God that brings you peace. It is listening to God that brings you peace. You've got to hear his voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. He stood up and he said, peace. Everybody say peace. Be still, and then the wind ceased, and there was great calm. It was not until God started talking did the storm have to sit down and shut up. Storms have to bow whenever Jesus starts speaking. Jesus will speak against, and he will stop anything that the enemy tries to stir up in your life. That's what Jesus does. A word from God in your life changes everything, church. Without a word from God, you're fearful. With a word from God, you're fearless. It's always the presence of a word from God that turns me into a superhero. You know what I'm saying, right? There's a lot of fear and trepidation before, but once I hear that God says I can do that, I'm all of a sudden very confident because I know God's got me. God's going to accomplish this. It's not my experience as a professional fisherman that's going to allow me to get out of this storm. Like, I've been through some bad stuff in my life, but it's not my resume that's going to help me out in the midst of this chaos. It's going to be the grace of Jesus. So I'm sitting with Jesus, I'm watching how he responds, and I'm listening to his voice knowing everything's going to be okay. This storm cannot shut me down because God has chosen to speak up, and I know I'm safe with him. I'm good with him. I'm good. Now, last point. I'll get you guys out of here. This is what I find to be very interesting, is that Jesus rebukes the storm, but, but watch what he does next. He then turns and rebukes his disciples. Very interesting, very interesting experience. You might not think that he would do that, but he rebukes the storm. He shows them, hey, remember who I am. Remember what I can do. Y'all follow that guy on Instagram, Cabby? Remember who I am. Remember what I can do. I have just rebuked the storm. Now I've turned my attention. I need to rebuke you now. Because you've forgotten something that's really, really crucial to live in my kingdom. What does he tell him in that last scripture? Let me go back to it. Let me read it to you real quick. He said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Listen, I, I know you might be thinking, okay, message is over. Anthony started the soaking music. It's over, but you have to get this. You have to get this. Jesus, not me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to accomplish this as the preacher. Jesus links fear with lack of faith. That's what he does. Why are you so afraid? And I've been walking with you for a while. Why do you still have so little faith? And when he says faith, you know what he means? Trust. You, you still don't trust me. This is, this is strange because I pulled you out of the pit of hell. Like, you still don't trust me, but I cleaned you up when you were an addict. You still don't trust me, but I gave you a house when you were homeless. 
You still don't trust me, but when you were in debt over your head, I paid your bills. You still don't trust me, but whenever your marriage was a wreck, I came back and restored the relationship. You still don't trust me, but even when your kids were gone, I brought them home like prodigals and put you back in relation. You still don't, I don't understand. Why are you not trusting me? Because I've been walking with you for so long. Don't you know I don't strike out? I don't know about you, but God's batting a thousand in my life. Like, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's always been there for me. And I would dare to say, because the Bible says, he's always been there for you. And he's never left you. And he's never forsaken you. And he's never shrunk back with his love. And he's never listened to you repent and responded. It's going to be the last time I forgive you of this. Never once. And so what is he doing? He's appealing to your history with him, and he's saying, why don't you trust me? Haven't I shown you that I'm good? Haven't I shown you that I'm present? Haven't I shown you what I can do? And yet, you're sitting in the midst of this storm having so much fear because you have forgotten what's so important by faith, which is to trust me as your prince of peace. Let me give you the last point here. Point three, when you're scared in a storm, Remember who's in the storm with you, the Prince of Peace. Despite all odds, church, you have every reason to trust God because God doesn't lie, God never fails, God always wins. Review his reputation. Last verse of Scripture, and we'll pray. John 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Everybody say, I got it. No, come on. Everybody say, I receive it. You think Jesus went to the cross for you? and would lie about what he's promised you with his peace? Do you think he did all that work so that this passage, this promise, wouldn't actually be real in your life? No, he went to the cross so that he could deliver. On the, He said, peace, I leave with you. Everybody say, I receive it. I receive it. My peace. Whose peace? The peace of Christ. How much peace did Jesus have? Enough to take a nap in a tornado. So whose peace do you have? Jesus' peace. That's what it means to belong to him. It's not your peace. It's not you convincing yourself. It's you receiving by the Spirit the peace and the nature of Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's grace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Get this. Not as the world gives. Because what is peace in the world's eye? It's the absence of chaos. It's the absence of conflict. It's what's not there that brings you peace. But in the kingdom of Jesus, it's what's there that brings you peace. And what's there is a person, and he is the prince of peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Today, you have every excuse to dismiss the storm that's been happening in your heart. Today, you have every reason to say, sit down and be quiet. Peace, be still. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither, the Bible says, let them be afraid. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, but of love, and what else? Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Who's been conflicted in their thoughts this week? Who's been just turned up this month in your mind? Like, oh, it feels like a hurricane is happening between my ears. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the Bible says. You might be trying to figure out, like, why can I not experience stability? Like, one week is up, the next week is down. It seems like I'm on an emotional roller coaster. Can I tell you, church? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is in the room, and he has peace for you. So let's stand and pray. 
for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.